Good evening and welcome again to the Canadian Orthodox Monastery of All Saints of North America. I've been asked by uh, a few questions and I'm going to try to answer some of them tonight. One about uh, the Orthodox teaching on free will. The other thing is that a number of people have asked if we could give a sample of the kind of chanting we do here at the monastery. And one person asked specifically for us to chant the Lord's Prayer in the style that we chanted here. So we'll fulfill both requests by asking uh, Ladika Barlam and Father Moses to chant the Lord's Prayer for us in, in the style that we chant here at the monastery. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Thank you very much for uh, for helping us with this, uh, to answer this particular request. And we're going to talk about free will, and we'll have to go back to some things that we've already said. Because if we look at the Genesis narrative, which has to be, of course, the starting point for all theological understanding and for all sound doctrine, so we begin with the types, symbols, and images that God has provided for us in the Old Testament, and particularly in the creation narrative. The creation narrative is not a scientific exposition. It's much more profound and much deeper than that. It reveals to us the whole mystery of our relationship with God and of our fall away from that relationship why we fell from it, and in what condition we ended up after we fell. So let us look again at that narrative, and what we see there is that God created us from perfect love. Now, if he created us from love, then he created us with freedom, because love demanded without freedom is a psychosis, but it is not love. And love given without freedom is an obsession, but it is not love. So God created us as free moral beings. And he bestowed upon us that other thing which is absolutely essential to love, and that is trust. All married couples realize that without trust you cannot have a satisfactory or a solid marriage. 
In fact, if your children do not trust you, then it is very difficult to raise them in the manner you wish. So God created us from perfect love, and therefore he created us with freedom of choice. Now, and he created us with trust. So if there's going to be freedom, there has to be choice. And the image of the two trees in the Garden of Eden, and I say image because they're a, re a revelation about something yet to come. But anyway, the image of the two trees is given to us simply to teach us that we had freedom and we could make a choice. There's no point in speculating about the trees. One only ends up becoming silly with that. But we did have that choice. Now, Satan tempted man and told him that if he would disobey God, that is, don't trust God, you see. Cut off that trust, which is necessary basis of love. Cut off that trust and don't trust God because he, he just doesn't want you to do something because he's envious. But if you disobey him, you can become like God. Now, mankind forgot. He forgot that he was already in the image and likeness of God. So Satan offered him a counterfeit of what he already had. And a counterfeit, of course, is a false promise. So man obeyed Satan, distrusted God, or broke that relationship of trust and love. And what happened? God is the only source of life. Man is not naturally immortal. We are immortal by grace. So man became separated from the source of life and therefore death became a part of his life as, as the ending of it. And Satan's promise, of course, was false as it always is, as every counterfeit always is. Man did not become like God, he became less like God. The image and likeness became darkened. And yet mankind still has freedom of will. And the second story, the second narration in the book of Genesis is there to assure us that God did not destroy our freedom, that we did not lose our freedom of will. Because Cain and Abel both had the freedom to choose whether they would offer their sacrifice to God from the heart and as an act of love or begrudgingly simply because it was a law. And when Abel offered out of love, his sacrifice was received. When Cain offered begrudgingly because it was the law, his sacrifice was not received. So he chose, instead of repenting, to kill his brother because his brother was a censure to his conscience. All this was done with freedom of will, with freedom of choice. And then God came down and spoke to Cain and gave him every opportunity to come clean and repent, to take responsibility for what he'd done. When he said, am I my brother's keeper? It meant that he was not going to accept responsibility. And then he was not going to repent. But he had freedom to do both. And it was his choice. And because of that, he became more separated from God. And it says he went away to the land of wandering, to the land of Nod. And uh, his freedom of choice was not taken away from him. Now, there are a few things that can impede our freedom, of course.
we could be in a communist country where some of our external actions could not be chosen freely. We could have a psychiatric illness which would make, uh, which would curtail our freedom of choice in some ways, or any number of things that can curtail the, the individual direct freedom that have nothing to do with the divine, nothing to do with God or God's judgment. The idea of predestination, which impede, would impede our divinely given freedom of will, was taught by the ancient Gnostic sects. It was never, ever taught within the church. Now, Augustine of Hippo, who had a, a stream of Gnosticism in his thought and in his uh, theology, taught double predestination. That is, some people are predestined to go to hell, some people are predestined to go to heaven, and if one again rummages through the scripture for a proof text and reads only the proof text but does not read the whole scripture, does not read whole narratives, then of course one might justify that teaching.